Amazon Prime recently released a limited docuseries exposing the truth behind the wholesome Americana surface of reality TV's favorite mega family, the Duggars, and the radical organization behind them, the Institute in Basic Life Principles. The Institute in Basic Life Principles, or IBLP, is a non-denominational Christian organization that serves as an umbrella organization for several ministries established by American Christian minister Bill Gothard in 1961. The stated purpose of the organization is to provide instruction on how to find success in life by following biblical principles. This involves programs that include seminars for ministries, community outreach, troubled youth mentoring, and international ministry. Families are expected to have as many children as possible, Children are expected to be homeschooled. Blind submission to their father's authority is taught, as well as a strict adherence to IBLP's interpretations of Scripture. IBLP has been alleged by some to be a cult. So this is Josh, um, Real Talk. My family was a part of IBLP's homeschool program, ATI, for about seven years. And I watched the Shiny Happy People miniseries on Prime recently, and um, it was pretty crazy mainly because it showcased experiences I had as an adolescent that I'd been trying to explain to people for years. I'd spent years telling people about how I grew up, but no one quite knew what I was talking about. And so now it's on film, and folks are all of a sudden asking me questions about it. So what was it like to grow up in and around IBLP and ATI? What was it like living under the shadow of Bill Gothard and his teachings? Welcome, everybody, to the Beards and Bible Podcast. My name is Josh, and I am joined today not by my regular podcast co-host, but by another kind of bearded guy, my, my good friend. Yeah, small beard. My good friend, Matt Haddon. Matt, how you doing, man? I'm doing good. Thanks, Josh. Awesome, awesome, man. You are podcasting live from the Great Plains. Is that true? That's true. I'm in uh, southwest South Dakota on uh, the Pine Ridge Indian Reservation and uh, lived here for about 12 years. So, wow. <clears throat> yep. That's amazing. I'm, uh, I'm surrounded by Badlands National Park. So, I can't show you, but right out this window, you can see the sign where you're entering Badlands National Park. So, we're surrounded by Badland buttes and that sort of thing. That's awesome, man. Well, tell everyone a little bit about yourself. Like, what are you doing out in South Dakota and how did you and I meet? And, what do you do? Well, um, I I don't know where to start on that. I guess than, uh, <laughs> that's a big question. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we met going to church together. I believe uh, if mm-hmm. I remember right, I was about eleven or twelve years old. So I guess we've known each other for about that far, maybe twenty five, close to thirty years. Oh, that makes me feel old. In that, yeah, that crazy. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> I, I grew up in a in a homeschool family and uh, so we went to church with a lot of other homeschoolers and uh, it's funny because you guys live like an hour or more north of the mm-hmm. church and I lived an hour south so uh, we didn't live close to each other at all so that's always fun to explain to people like <laughs> how did y'all grow up together he lived in Dalton you lived you know yeah 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like well it's a long story but um, yep. anyway uh, uh, yeah growing up there I uh, 
certainly felt the call to missions early on, and uh, I will say that church is very mission-minded, and mm-hmm. I think it definitely had a, I know it had a big influence on my heart in that way, yeah. of just hearing missionaries speak, and um, went to Bible college, and um, knowing the Lord was calling us to missions, and um, the Lord never really kind of opened anything up, uh, serving as a youth pastor, very content where I was, but still, uh, okay, Lord, you you got a couple willing to go anywhere in the world. I just got married. We've been married for a few years and still, still nothing. And, um, we had done a lot of short-term trips and, um, one of those trips happened to be to Pine Ridge, uh, South Dakota here and on a construction trip. And, uh, Amanda, my wife didn't come, uh, with us, but on that trip, the Lord just, uh, I like to say he pressed it into me. This is where I want Mm. you to be. And I thought, Right here in the center of our country, like my heart for missions was always foreign, and I never sure. thought of the United States. And um, just realized here's a people group right in the center of our country who ultimately is an unreached people group. Less than five percent mm. claim to know Lord Jesus, and um, wow. and so um, a lot of a lot of generational trauma, things that we'll even talk about today. The church has done that has um, prevented the gospel from being accepted, and wow. um, and so. Within six months, we moved out here, and uh, this is where we've been uh, now for about 12 years, a little over 12 years, and um, I am the executive director of the Chanku Wash Day Ranch. Uh, Chanku awesome. Wash Day means the good road in the Lakota language, and um, and so we do a summer camp for kids, and so that's been going full swing um, for the kids in our community, and then we have a construction ministry that connects um, churches from all over the country to doing construction ministry here to walk with people, giving them a safe place to live. And, um, and then we have a wellness center, which right now focuses on, uh, we have, it's a free dental clinic and a free optometry clinic. And, uh, hopefully within the next few months, starting a pregnancy resource center out of the building there wow. as well. And so those are kind of our three lanes of ministry. And, uh, yeah. so, uh, yeah, I'm not a dentist. I'm not an optometrist. I'm really not in anything. <laughs> I tell people on paper, it looks really important uh, what I do, but in actuality, if you want to know anything, ask somebody else around here because uh, we have a great team that uh, helps us and uh, um, makes us look really good. So I'm grateful for that. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. I'm so proud of you and the, the work you're doing, man. And it's been a blessing just to kind of see from a distance uh, just the way the Lord's blessed your ministry. And uh, really cool, yeah. too, just some uh, cool God God stories. There's been some teams from Middle Tennessee that have actually gone up to your ministry there and done service projects and stuff like that. And some folks from our church have gone up and uh, served there. And so it's kind of crazy just them coming back and saying, hey, there's this weird random guy named Matt <laughs> that apparently knows you and has some really embarrassing stories about you. And I tell him, I don't know I who don't. you're talking about. So <laughs> <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know that guy. <laughs> so Matt, um, I told Amanda last night, she said, are you nervous? I said, the only thing I'm nervous about is Josh, like ambushing me with something <laughs> from the past. That... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anything to do with ATI or anything. Just, just yeah. ambushing me somehow. Yeah. 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 Well, the guy that usually podcasts with me went to college together. So we're pretty good at doing that to each other, but, uh, yeah, not today. <laughs> you're safe today. So um, you mentioned earlier when you talked about how we went to church together, but um, our family lived in Dalton, Georgia, which is about an hour north of Atlanta, and you grew up in, is it Fayetteville? Is that where you're from? Fayetteville. Mm -hmm. Okay, so which is an hour south of Atlanta. And so um, that's kind of hard to explain to people. Why in the world would your families drive that long to go to church? And the answer is a bit complicated, 
as is how the homeschool programs that we grew up in, it's kind of complicated to explain, but um, we've kind of gotten some help in recent days because there was a documentary that just came out on Amazon Prime called Shiny Happy People, and I messaged you last week and said, hey, have you seen it? And you just told me before we hopped on that I guess you you binged all four. Is that right? All four episodes? Just in the last few days, yeah. Oh, man. So triggered. Um. <laughs> I had not uh, seen it. When you messaged me, I had not seen it. And honestly, I, I didn't care. Well, I heard about it. Of course, I mean, <clears throat> um, I haven't. I never watched the Duggars. I never, you yeah, know, I so uh, I just don't care. I didn't, I didn't care. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. It's just yeah. nothing that I... Um, out of sight, out of mind type of thing, yep. I guess. I don't yep, know. It's me just, too. Like, I don't know. I know it goes on, but, um, mm-hmm. yeah, so I, I didn't watch it. I didn't know if I really had a plan to watch it. If I did watch it, I wanted to watch it with my wife because it's always hard to explain some things. And so Absolutely. I thought, well, we could watch that together. Maybe I could talk through it, you know? Yep, yep, um, yep, yep. And that didn't happen. I was traveling a lot. So I watched two episodes on a plane and then two episodes coming back on the plane. And, uh, yeah. yeah. So she started watching it while I was gone too. And she texts me, she says, you've got a lot of explaining. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so it's been yeah. an interesting conversation the last couple of days. Cause it's ultimately a time in my life where I haven't really brought up a whole, whole lot to be honest. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, this this fresh stuff for my wife and uh, things I haven't sure. thought about in a long time. It was kind of funny. We took the kids to pigeon forge, Tennessee for a uh, little trip early in May. And, our GPS took us through Knoxville, and I'm driving through Knoxville, and I actually know where I'm going really, really well. I know the back of the University of Tennessee's campus really well, and my wife's looking at me. She's like, how do you know the University of Tennessee's campus so well? You're from Georgia. And I'm like, oh, honey. Uh, and so I started explaining to her that every June, ATI and IBLP would take over the University of Tennessee campus for a week Take it over. Yeah. All the family stayed in dorms, Thompson Bowling Arena every night for the big uh, sessions. The alert cadet team would take over the Sun Dome and rappel off the Sun Dome and all this stuff. And I'm <laughs> telling her about this, and she goes, what? What are you talking about? <clears throat> and so then when the Shiny Happy People documentary came out and they showed clips from the main conferences, she was like, that's, that's unreal. I'm like, yeah, that was, that was how it was. So yeah. it is it is hard to explain, but I think that is one thing helpful about the documentary. It kind of gives people some visuals to go with, you know, what we've been saying for years. Um, how would you explain ATI or IBLP to folks who have never heard of it? Um, well, I haven't had to explain it a whole, whole lot other than people would say, you know, What's cool is running into somebody that kind of knows. That's when you would you would talk about it mostly. But people that yeah. didn't know, I honestly wouldn't talk about it very much. So, right, right. Uh, <laughs> you didn't want to. Be yeah. a lot of explaining because <laughs> I would avoid it uh, most of the time. Right. But like, hey, I I grew up in a homeschool group, you know, mm-hmm, uh, and mm-hmm. I really described it more as an independent Baptist church because I also grew up in an independent Baptist church, sure, and they sure. kind of went side by side in my mind so much, mm-hmm. even mm-hmm. though the church wasn't ATI, but it was just it had the same influences same um same rules same everything you know so in my mind it was kind of one in the same a lot for most of my teen years especially yeah and so um explaining it in a way as a you know just indie fundy homeschool group (laughs) (laughs) that's pretty much what i left it at (laughs) yeah we put the fun in fundy yeah um yeah right (laughs) 
What would you say that like the church we met at? How what percentage of families in that church would you say were ATI? Eighty, eighty-five. I would say eighty to eighty-five. I mean, probably yeah. what ninety-nine percent homeschooled though. I only knew of like yeah. one or two oh, yeah, people yeah, yeah. that weren't homeschooled. Uh, so yeah. yeah, and honestly, we were in ATI, and maybe we'll get into this in a minute. But I, <clears throat> I didn't grow up. Um, we got out of ATI when I was about twelve. Um, mm, so really, okay. through the more pivotal years of my teen years, um, I say I say that it, it was probably more like fifteen. But okay. my my older siblings really went through the program a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so they were so. Even some of my experiences are more um, knowing what my older sisters and older brother went through. Right. You know. Um, and so even after we got out of ATI, though, you're still friends with all those families and you're still at the church. And so I didn't tell much of a difference. <laughs> it was sure. so, that's yeah, what yeah, I'm yeah. saying. It was so close. Yeah. Um, I gotcha. that it was just kind of one and the same to me. Um, yeah, we just, the only difference was we quit going to the conferences. Right. You know, in right, 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 right. That was yeah. the biggest differences. Sure. Um, because my parents already owned all the wisdom booklets. <laughs> you know, and, uh, <laughs> wisdom booklets. Uh, and so there was no reason that paying, paying to stay in ATI, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah. we just didn't go to the conferences is basically, uh, sure. is what it boiled down to. Sure. Yeah. So ATI, ABLP, um, hard to explain, but essentially there's a guy named Bill Gothard who in the 1960s was, noticing some trends among the youth that he chalked up to rebellion and felt that if the youth of his day were to grasp um, an understanding of basic life principles, is what he called it, from Scripture, that um, they can have a better quality of life and a more God-honoring Christian walk. And so he started putting on all these conferences and apparently went, went viral all through the 70s and 80s. They were packing out stadiums. And lots of people are coming out. Really popular in, like Matt was saying, the independent fundamental Baptist circles. And then as it grew, I guess in the late 70s, early 80s, they decided they were going to charter a homeschool organization where Gothard and his team would write curriculum and then provide training for these families. And so ATI kind of started as a couple of families, and then it just grew and grew and grew and grew to the point where when Matt and I were in it, I mean – we're talking, I don't know, the conferences would have 25,000, maybe 30,000 people. Do you feel like that's a fair estimate or is that overshooting it? No, I'm, I feel like that's, it might even be on a low side. I feel like, yeah. I mean, I have no idea. Uh, I know it seemed like a ton. Uh, yeah, yeah, people yeah. would come from all over. <clears throat> One of the things I noticed, you said it was, it, it did appeal to the indie fundy Baptist circles, but mm -hmm. one of the things that always impressed me about it was it, it was interdenominational. There were so it was, many yeah. different denominations represented right. there. Church You're of right. Christ, Church of God, mm -hmm. Mennonites. I mean, mm -hmm. You're it right. was like an appeal to so many different uh, circles of, of denominations and people. So that was one thing that always stood out to me. It was like, it wasn't, yeah. it wasn't just like a Baptist thing. It, You're right. Yeah. It was a, Another crazy thing is I, I watched the first two episodes of Happy Shining Faces uh, on the plane Saturday night, um, on Friday night. I had another flight, and I, 
I'd watched Jesus Revolution. Mm. <laughs> and so you talk about contracts. I yeah, haven't exactly. seen it yet. And so I watched Jesus Revolution and, and uh, I was laughing about it because I, I literally watched the first two episodes of that. And then I watched Jesus Revolution. And a few days later, I watched the other two episodes of Happy Shining Faces. <laughs> and I think what it did, it kind of gave me perspective of what was going on in the 60s and 70s, though, yes. of an appreciation yes. of what, of how Mr. Gothard, you know, uh, the era that he's growing up in. You know, mm-hmm, where everybody's mm-hmm. just searching for something, you know, right, 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 right. And, and trying to find it in all the wrong places, you know, yeah, as, yeah. as uh, Jesus Revolution is a movie kind of about the beginning of Greg Laurie and how he came to know Christ mm-hmm, through mm-hmm. Uh, Harvest Crusades and that sort of thing. Sure. Um, but it was a great movement. And it wasn't yeah. just Bill Gothard. And this is what I was pondering on this week. It it wasn't just Bill Gothard in that day. It was just you had this wave of people just hungry yeah. for something. Absolutely. And uh, I think it just drew a lot of people in a in a conservative way. If they were already leaning conservative, if mm-hmm. if our parents did drugs or whatever else, it was like this pendulum swinging the other way. Sure. Of trying to counter what they experienced in the '60s or '70s, and saying, you know, trying to protect our kids from this. So yeah. that's really kind of how what I saw of uh, not saying anything's right or wrong on either sure. end or, yeah. or anything, but it's just you could see where it birthed out of that movement you know absolutely in the same way just well and in a very conservative strict way yeah and i think that's a really really interesting insight and one of the things that i think gothard had an appeal to people is he provided answers with a level of certainty that was mm-hmm. very attractive and magnetic like not a very yep. fiery charismatic dramatic speaker but he would stand up there with his little overhead projector and the art graphics that either he himself or someone on his team had drawn, and he'd have a little marker, and he would go through these talks where he would explain to you in incredible detail these principles, and it was just like, well, yeah, doesn't everybody know this? (laughs) And the reason your life is broken is because you don't know this. And if you knew this and you put this into practice in your life, then your life would be fixed. And so that level of certainty, that level of... You know, I have the answer you're looking for. And also, Mm -hmm. and we'll get into this a little bit later, but it almost seemed like um, it was like, you know, just knowing Jesus as Lord and Savior and you walking out the Christian life, that's not enough. You kind of need to know this stuff to really find success in life. And so all those areas of your life where there's dissatisfaction with the way things are, it's because you don't know this material that I'm providing you. Yeah. Do you think that's a fair characterization? Uh, yeah, for sure. I think the certainty is what really pulled people to Gothard. <laughs> yeah. Um, because, like you said, not a super charismatic speaker, but at the same time, like, I, I couldn't tell you how many hours I've heard Bill Gothard speak when no, I was younger. Yeah, me you too. know, I haven't heard anything in, in years, but there was something about him that did, uh, like, give off this air of confidence. Like this is the way, you know, right, and right, right, right. Almost yeah. like the Mandalorian, this is the way. And people repeating that. This is the way. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. 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 Uh, this, yeah. this certainty of this is how it's done. And I, I think, uh, even kind of a thought to that is don't we all want like somebody just to give us some principles to fix our life? You know, yep. I mean, yep. ultimately we, we yep. desire that as people. And so I think, um, I think the way Gothard presented that with that confidence and certainty of saying, this is how you do it is like, 
it appealed to people in such a way. He didn't sure. have to be a charismatic speaker. Uh, he just had to have the confidence in what he believed, you know? Yep. 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 Even and he didn't, he, he didn't, he didn't have kids all out himself. Yeah. He, he wasn't even, married. He didn't even live it out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he wasn't married, didn't have kids, but he knew everything about how to raise godly kids and to have a godly marriage. And it wasn't even that you, you didn't even ask the question, well, wait a second, are you doing it? Because the way he presented it, it was so persuasive and it was so concrete. It was so black and white. It's like there's no there's no nuance. There's no gray area. There's no, you know, well, we've seen the scripture and here's what we got. But there's some things that maybe the scripture doesn't speak to. It was like, no, the scripture speaks to all of this. And here's why it speaks to all this because I'm telling you why it speaks to all this, even if I'm twisting this verse to make it speak to this. So, um, so speaking of his teachings, like what are some of the teachings that maybe you heard from Gothard or ATI? that you benefited from and what are some teachings that maybe you look back on now and you're like, wow, that was, that was kind of imbalanced. That was kind of extreme. Well, this is where I, I think I even told you, I don't know if I'm the right person for this because I didn't fit the mold at all. I didn't uh, either. In a lot of ways. <laughs> that's why we were friends. Yeah. And, and that's why we were friends. Yeah. yeah. And so um, I did uh, tell my wife last night when we were talking about it again, I said, you know, I think, probably one of my saving graces in all that time and even where God has me today is I just, um, I didn't fit the mold in so many ways. And, uh, yep. uh God gave me a brain to think for myself and read scripture, uh, for myself and like, well, that doesn't make sense. And right. so there, I always kind of come at things, hopefully anything with a, with a spirit of kind of questioning mm-hmm. James mm-hmm. has test the spirits of just like testing. What right. is, what is the spirit here? Um, and so, um, there are, so many things in Gothard's teaching, though, that comes to my mind without me even thinking about it, um, <laughs> and, and some good things, you know. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> this is where, like, I might would differ with a lot of folks on this, but, um, you know, structure of authority. Um, I think about that all the time. You know, how, how many times does the phrase umbrella of protection come into my head uh, without, <laughs> you know, I, I might not say it out loud, but it comes right. to my mind and. uh and and if I'm being totally honest, like I don't think it's all totally bad. Um, right. You have the scriptural principles there, and what I don't want to do is throw out scripture, throw out the principle because it was uh, it was trying to be carried out in the wrong way. Honestly, sure. I think Absolutely. that's where the biggest error that I saw with ATI. Yep. It wasn't in the principles uh, that you know. I know there's a big move against you know pur- purity talk and purity you mm-hmm. know following mm-hmm. and stuff. Uh, hey. Sexual sin is, is fornication is wrong. That's uh, right. That, yep. that is the principle we find in Scripture. Absolutely. How it's carried out, though, of what you determine to be modesty. Now, that's where we get some different lines. That's yep. where I totally disagree with you saying you've got to wear this. You got to wear have curly hair. You got to smile. You got to do this. This is what modesty looks like. Right. The Bible doesn't tell us that. You're now you're taking Scripture. And you're just making it say whatever fits the mold of what you would like to see. And that's yep. creepy. <laughs> I think that's where it becomes <laughs> yeah, really yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, tailoring yeah. people to look a certain way because that's your taste, you know, right. and of what a good, modest person looks like. Yeah. Um, both boys and girls. It's weird, you know, uh, to have um, picking out ties for young men, you know, because Man, you like them in this color. That's and that's weird. that's the weirdest thing <laughs> to try to explain to people is that you could look at a young man or young woman and tell if their family drank the Kool-Aid of ATI when it came to how to apply the principles of modesty, yeah. right? So a young guy right. 
Absolutely. that had too much hair gel and his hair just kind of looked a slight bit stylish, that was a rebel. He's rebellious. <laughs> he's, rebellious. he's rebellious. It's not because he actually is. It's not because he's dressing in modestly. It's because the way that he's applying that principle that Gothard taught was not up to the standard of how to apply that externally, and that's where the legalism set in. Well, and you, that's, can, you, can, you can always tell rebellion. Rebellion, you know this, Josh. Rebellion is at the root of hairstyles and makeup. <laughs> I mean, that's where rebellion starts. You know this. And oh, so yeah. yeah. You, you, you have a self-acceptance problem. You, you <laughs> are not happy the way God made you. You're trying to change something. This, and oh, this teaching Lord. is coming from a guy who dyes his hair black. <laughs> his hair. The guy teaching this is yeah. fixing his hair, you know, oh. he doesn't like the aging process. Uh, that, that to me is another weird thing. Like yes. this guy doesn't do half of what he says he's doing. Um, and yeah. that was a, a bigger hang up I had, I think. Yeah. Um, and so I don't know. So I have to try to find that. I don't think it's that hard of a balance. I think there's a pursuit of Jesus that we go to his word and, and yeah. really apply these principles and, Amen. and discern this is not what that means. And, uh, yeah, I'll share more, maybe a little bit of where that is, has me today in ministry, but, um, it, these principles constantly come up, um, because they're in scripture. I'm a sure. student of the word, uh, pastor, whatever, you know, you're preaching. And so there are certain verses I can't read without having, uh, this ATI voice over my shoulder telling me what that is. And I just kind of <laughs> smile or whatever else and think, right, you know, right, right. Um, the principle is there. How this right. is carried out is what I believe really got whack. And so I don't, don't want to throw <clears throat> biblical principles out um, because they're there in ATI. And that's where yep. I would probably differ with a lot of other people that I grew up with because um, I just hear voices and even posts or threads, you know, they want to throw out the principles too. Yep. I, I'm not in that camp. I, I yep, love the Word either. of God, and yep. I love the biblical principles. And yep. so I, what I believe ATI did early on was, um, for me in my life, just carry out those principles in a very weird way. Um, sure, sure. And in a, not, in a not biblical way, so just acknowledging yep. that's not of Christ, that's not of the Holy Spirit, right. um, and that's not the intention of His Word. Yep. And so the sooner I can acknowledge that, the sooner I can move on. How do we carry out these principles right. and what does that look like in an everyday life? So I think <clears throat> one so of the one things of, one of the things that I oh, go ahead, I was going to share <laughs> some, some of the teachings in ATI. I was thinking about this, like which ones had an impact on my life or even looking back on now and realizing how whack they were kind of messed with my brain a little bit. Um, I remember, um, do you ever go to the Northwoods for alert? Oh, yeah. Yep. The cadet. We, mm-hmm. I, I can't remember if you had gone or not. Uh, I went yes, sir. Years, like, and you know what? I loved it. It was a highlight in so many it was ways a lot of, fun. of um, just camping with my dad. So much fun. I got, you know, some great memories in alert cadets, uh, believe it or not, you know, of just, <laughs> just <clears throat> it had an appeal to a young, a young man, a young boy, whatever. Um, and yeah. the whole camp in the Northwoods was a big highlight. Um, but I remember, um, this was my first experience with it when I was younger sitting in that outdoor amphitheater mm-hmm. um, and Mr. Gothard came to, to speak and he was started talking. And then all of a sudden he, he started talking about if you've got acne and I don't know if you remember, but I had acne real bad. You oh, know? me too. And yep. I, I started, I started shifting in my seat because he said, this is, 
this is a sign of lust. You've got some lust issues. What? You know? And and you look at pornography and all these things, and and acne is one of those symptoms of lust. What? And I remember sitting Holy there looking cow. and thinking, everybody knows I've looked at pornography. <laughs> you know? Because you and have zits, I yeah. Remember because I had zits, and uh, I struggled with that Holy for so cow. long. Of and it, it made me want to bargain with God. You know, like God, yeah. I will never, I will never look at pornography. I will never. Uh, you know, I will never do anything, you know, anything right. wrong. Uh, right. Just remove the zits from my face. As a 13, <laughs> 14, 15-year-old, that was more important than anything else. And uh, um, wow. And then one day as I got older, it hit me. You know, no, actually, it's just greasy food and mayonnaise, you know. <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, um, I would, I would wow. struggle with so much of trying to evaluate doing good and trying to keep myself pure in different ways so I wouldn't have acne. <laughs> You know, they yeah, got to yeah. them. and it, it never removed, no matter how hard I tried or uh, wh- whatever else. And uh, come to yeah. find out, there's just a natural brokenness in the world that is evident in right. acne. Yeah. Right, 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 right. That, that, Man, fast forward now, I'm 40 years old and I'm still a little overweight and got adult acne, you know, and it's not yeah. because of lust in my life. It's just a natural, you know, uh, form of brokenness being shown of, right. of yeah. greasy foods and chocolate. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Well, and here's what's crazy, man. Going back and and thinking about some of the really, really, really fringe, bizarre, weird stuff that Bill Gothard would say, at times almost flippantly, like, well, yeah, doesn't everybody know this? Like, there's a clear connection in Scripture between this and this, between acne and lust, or between unforgiveness and barrenness, right? And so... People would just go, oh, my gosh, wow, we've been trying to get pregnant for a long time, and maybe the reason we can't get pregnant is because there's unforgiveness there. Wow. Yeah. Or maybe the reason I have acne is because of lust. Oh, my gosh. And so essentially what like I've noticed as I've gone back and looked at some of those teachings is if there is something wrong in your life, not even in just your Christian life, just your life in general, Ultimately, it goes back to the root cause of you're not being a good enough Christian. That's the root cause. You're you're not trying hard enough, and there is something you're doing wrong, and that's why you've got acne. That's why you can't get pregnant. That's why you got sexually assaulted, which, like, we can talk about that, but, I mean, there was a teaching for a long time that um, a woman who cried out to God when she was becoming, you know, sexually assaulted, then she would be delivered. And if she didn't cry out to God during her sexual assault, then that's why she got assaulted. So like, and, and he had a verse. Yeah, it's super crazy, but he would have verses for these really fringe teachings, but it was just really weird how he would twist and manipulate and add to and take away and then draw connections where the connections weren't there. But again, because he presented himself as such a voice of authority, over all these individuals and families, to question him was to question scripture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and so that was something that, <clears throat> honestly, I forgot about a lot of that until I've gone back and looked at it and thought, wait a minute, that's messed up. Um, and, it, and, it, and it only suited when it suited the system, you know, when, mm-hmm, it, only, mm-hmm. when it suited the program. 
Um, there was other scriptures that I used to, you know, as a teenager, you find all the bad verses or whatever, you know, I say bad verses, there's no bad verses, <laughs> but you find all the verses that say something funny or, you right. know, whatever, immature. Yeah, um, Balaam, Balaam's ass. Yeah. And a lot of the verses <laughs> they would use, if, if you, if you read around some of the verses that Gothard would use, um, there was so much discredited, um, right, right. you know, of just taking things out of context, you know, but yes. even like a man shouldn't wear a woman's dress, a woman's clothing, you know, uh, right. or a woman shouldn't wear men's clothing. It says in Deuteronomy talking about going into battle and all the very verse before that says not to mix your linen, basically don't wear your polyester tie, you know, like <laughs> so you, you're not supposed to wear any clothes that are, you know, have cotton and, you know, right. satin mixed together and things like that. So <clears throat> Where do you draw the line on these things, and how do you interpret these other things? But those didn't suit your your message or your right. system, so right, right, right. you just don't you just wash right over them, and you point out the one phrase that uh, just because you want to see women wear dresses, you know. Yeah. Well, um, and, so that's the voice verse we're going to point out. Sure, and and you made a really interesting point. And I think this is I think this is true. So many of the basic life principles are principles you do find in scripture, right? The principle of design, the principle of authority, the principle of God has a purpose for your life, a plan for your life, all that stuff. Yes and amen to all that. <clears throat> where the wires got crossed Absolutely. and where the spiritual abuse happened is the domineering way in which those principles were applied specifically to an individual's life, right? So yeah. God has established an authority structure in the church, in the home, and in government. Yes and amen. Any any theologian worth his salt or her salt will tell you, yes, that's clear from the scripture, right? You read the book of Ephesians, read the book of Romans, yes, 100%. Well, where that gets mixed up is when people say, okay, so we feel a personal conviction about how this is applied, so therefore everyone that applies this, you have to have the same exact personal convictions as we do, which by nature, that's not a personal conviction, Right? Not so <laughs> if it's a personal conviction, it's just for you, how you apply it. But if you'd say everybody else has to apply it exactly how our family does it, like our, our, the women in our family, they don't have to wear the little roughly doilies because that you know brings out the, the lovely countenance of a woman, which is crazy. That was a teaching. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So that's Years where – Years ago, I think it was sometime in the 90s. There was a there was a track that came out or like a pamphlet that came out that said, uh, um, "Some may, you may not." I don't know yes, I remember, I, I remember that. Oh my um, gosh! I don't know if I don't I don't know if it was an ATI thing. Um, I actually think Leonard Ravenhill is the one that that wrote this. Oh uh, really? If I remember, I could be totally wrong on that. So, um, um, but it was a pamphlet, a track type thing because I I look I always thought it was a scripture verse for so long. Right. You know, that some may, you may not. You know, mm -hmm. and um, there's other scripture that you can take that some may, I may not, you know, and, uh, right. and right, it right, always right. hit me like, you know, <coughs> some may, you may not. And uh, and so um, that became a phrase that I heard so much growing up, mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. especially as I got older. My, um, I love my dad dearly. I have a wonderful relationship with my dad and my mom. Um, and so this is no slight to them whatsoever. But yeah. uh, my dad and I disagree uh, very strongly on certain things. Um, to this day, um, there's mm -hmm. things that we just do not discuss because it does nothing for our relationship whatsoever. Um, and one of the things that I got tired of hearing for so many years, even after moving out of my parents' house, I would hear my dad say that phrase all the time. Some may, you may not. 
in regards to anything, mm-hmm. um, whether, Hey, I want to wear this tank top. No, some may, but you may not, you know? Um, and this is talking to an as adult children. Finally, one day right. I just got so tired of hearing it. I, I made it a point. I'm going to call him out every time I hear my dad say this. So if we're in a family setting and my dad says that, says that phrase, I'm going to begin calling him out because it's not biblical whatsoever. Right. Um, case in point of what you were just saying of trying to decide what somebody else is, their personal conviction is. Right. That's not biblical at all. And, yep. Uh, yep. and you don't see that. You don't see that uh, uh, through through scripture anywhere. Well, um, and actually and so, you could, you can um, make I believe the, that that was that mindset that some may, but you may not, right, uh, you right. can't wear that. You can't listen to this. You can't do that. So it's really just you being uh, the guide of what they can and can't do and, and giving them their convictions. And, uh, it's worthless. Yeah. Uh, at it, the end of the day, those, somebody else's convictions are worthless to you. <laughs> well, and, and I would actually say that scripture would even say, you don't have the right to argue about someone else having the same personal convictions that you do. Cause like Romans 14 says, welcome anyone who is weak in the faith and don't argue about disputed matters. One person believes he may eat anything while one who is weak eats only vegetables. One who eats must not look down on one who does not eat. And one who does not eat must not judge one who does because God has accepted him. Who are you to judge another household, another, uh, another's household servant. So the scriptures like pretty black and white say in the new Testament you know, through this controversy of eating meat sacrificed to idols in the book of 1 Corinthians and apparently in the book of Romans, like, man, somebody feels a personal conviction about not doing it. Someone else, they don't feel any conviction about doing it. So you can't walk around and be somebody's personal Holy Spirit and say, well, some may, you may not. You know, <laughs> that's not, right. that's yeah. like anti-Bible, right? Um, that's just crazy. Well, hey, to give talk- an update, my, my dad has begun correcting himself because I know, I know what you're going to say because he would say that. <laughs> but now it's, it has hopefully has charged him to think about what he's saying. Yeah. Um, uh, several months ago, there was a wedding of some folks that grew up in the same church that we grew up in. It's younger mm-hmm. siblings of people that we know. Mm-hmm. And uh, my sister, I have a couple of sisters that were in the wedding, uh, good friends with the bride. And uh, it became a topic of conversation. And uh I don't, I don't want to say any names because I don't want anybody to be upset about it, but the bride's family and the groom's family were at uh, Discord about whether to have alcohol at the wedding or not. And mm. they were drawing a line, and it became a huge thing. And bride and groom basically said, we're having alcohol at the reception. Yeah. Yeah. So you can be at the wedding if you want. We're, we're having alcohol at the reception. Well, it became a topic of discussion at our house because my my sisters were in the wedding, and um, and – my dad, bless his heart, using that same thing, well, some may, but you cannot. They cannot. You know, like, what do you mean? <sighs> they cannot. And uh, uh, I was calling him out on it, and he, he began talking about, well, you know, <clears throat> we're just not made that way. Like, so basically, this is his exact words. Like, if we were in Germany or whatever, you could have beer because they're made different. Uh, but you can't in the United <laughs> States. And, and I about lost my head. I was like, Dad, do you hear what you're saying? Where is the biblical premise that if you're born in Germany, you can drink beer, but you cannot if you're if you live in the United States? Yeah. You know, yeah, like yeah, 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 where, yeah. where do you? Well, it's not a biblical thing anymore. I was like, yeah, exactly, oh, it's man. not, and and that's where yeah. so much that that ATI mentality is. It's not a biblical thing anymore. No. It's a preference. And, Absolutely. And so, so-and-so can do this, but you cannot. And it's right, such right. an error 
philosophy of thinking. You yep. cannot find that in Scripture. It's it's not biblical at all, no. and, it, and it's damaging. Sure. Because some people are just not ready for it. In the Scripture you just read, uh, you know, Romans 14, like, uh, some people are not ready for it. How, how yeah. many people did we have come through our life that um, just walked in and was, like, totally overwhelmed? They just came out of a crazy, you know, lifestyle environment sure. of not growing up in a Christian home at all, and then all of a sudden they can't listen to anything that has a— a first and third beat, like I oh man, not yeah. all of us are musical, <laughs> you know. Right, so, right, so how right, do you right. even determine that? Where's the Holy Spirit discretion that anymore? You've yeah. removed that. You've removed the Holy sure. Spirit discernment hey, altogether so, because you've put first and third beats on there. Speaking of which, let's talk about Gothard's teaching when it comes to music. Um, this is confusing for a lot of people. Sometimes I will tell them. Because, I mean, truthfully, like, I'm, I'm a very musical person. I went to college on a music scholarship. I played in a bunch of bands. I love music. I've, music is a huge part of my life. But for about seven years of my life, I was presented with this teaching that any modern-sounding music was inherently demonic, even if it was Christian. <laughs> Can you explain to people how Gothard presented that and made the case for contemporary Christian music is demonic? <clears throat> My best understanding, and I could probably speak more to our pastor of the church growing up than I could Gothard just because he did a whole Sunday school class on, which was <laughs> kind of derived from Gothard's teaching of music. Yep. Um, um, so I don't know that I could quote Gothard exactly on what he believed uh, or taught about it. I kind of pushed that out. But the, the premise that I know and understand um, is uh, basically it was um, – you could identify good music versus bad music, like godly music versus music that doesn't honor God by uh, the beat and the progression. Mm -hmm. uh, and so uh, the understanding of that was that if the if the downbeat is on the first, and, and you probably correct me if I'm wrong, I'm not the musical <laughs> one here, but uh, the downbeat is on the first and the third beats of the measure, you know, like the basically the offbeat, then right, that right, right, right. determine whether it was ungodly or, or not. And so... Um, but even then it started getting a little crazy because there was other things that started coming up and it's like, well, uh, well, that's not that, you know, it's, it's yeah. drums, you know, it's not, it's not just the beat. It's also drums. Like, so no yeah. drums. So it doesn't yeah. matter if the downbeats on the second, fourth beat, it's just drums in general. Don't no more drums. Right. What if it's acapella? Uh, and, oh yeah, I think that's fine. And then you play them like something like glad or some group <laughs> like that that really knows how to make a beat with their mouth. And they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Nope. No, Syncopation. That. Yeah. That's not it either. I was like, well, there's no, there's no drums in this band. So what, what's right. the deal? You know, like, oh no, well, it's something else about it, you know? Yeah. Um, and so it would just be like this progression of trying to discern, you know, decide how they could control what people listen right. to that uh, suited their, their needs. But um, so I, I don't really know all the, the layers of that. Um, but I just know that yeah. it's not, that's not found in scripture either. Yep. Yep. Um, and so, um, I believe that, um, I believe God uses music. I believe, I believe Satan uses music. Uh, no sure. doubt music sure. is a, is a influencer, a controller of our emotion. Right. And, uh, man, sometimes, uh, you know, you can, your emotions, your feelings can be totally changed by the song that comes on. Yep. I acknowledge that. I totally agree with that. Um, there again, principle being there, um, right. But how it's carried out 
is bizarre, you know, like absolutely you can yeah. discern, discern that totally wrong. Well, well and even there like a, there was a girl that I know that that went to Sound Foundations, uh, you know, oh, Sound man. Foundations was, yeah, the, music uh, was academy. the music uh, <clears throat> academy for ATI. Um, and uh, I never was that musical of a person. So people that went to Sound Foundation, it seemed like to me like, man, they were so good at music and everything. Just super talented. I mean, some of the most mm-hmm. amazing, talented people. Oh, sure. Um, I, we grew up with. Uh, mm-hmm. You're one of them. Like, you know, I always thought, man, uh, playing that big old bass <laughs> in different instruments. <laughs> in the church play, orchestra. I, mean, I, I never wow. had that. Yeah. Um, but there was a girl I knew that went to Sound Foundations, a really good friend. And um, she went through the whole course. It's a hard, it was a hard course. Oh, yeah. yeah. Music theory. Music and, yeah, Very difficult. Mm-hmm. And so she got to her composition thing where she had to compose a song um, at the end of her, basically her final at sound foundation after she had gone through it. And uh, the guy, I can't remember the guy's name. I can picture him. He was one of the the choir leaders uh, that ran sound foundations. Uh, He, he failed her because it was in a contemporary key. What? (laughs) I'm not kidding. It had nothing to do. It was a beautiful song that she composed. And he failed her because it was in a contemporary key. She appealed oh it and gosh. said, what do you mean? Because it was in the key of E. So if you want to know what ungodly music is, is whatever song's written in the key of E. Oh, <laughs> I mean, wow. Wow, wow, wow. Uh, and, he could get a, and he got away with it. He got away with it because he could. He's the yeah. discerning factor of what is godly and not godly. And, and he has authority and she doesn't. Is, yeah, is good. You did all right. But you you wrote this in a very contemporary key and I can't, I'm not even going to be able to grade you on this. Wow. Like, and, uh, wow. I'll like mind blown, you know, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, she's yeah, yeah. still a good friend of this day. Like, you know, oh, just my goodness. Un- unbelievable. Well, it, you know, it kind of seems like, and you get this feel from watching the documentary and some of the Duggars that really what it was is we want to be conservative fundamentalists who all look the same way and talk the same way and act the same way and don't participate in anything modern or worldly. But we can't really find where the scripture would say that's what you're supposed to do. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to search really, really hard until we find some principles from scripture, twist them, smush this square peg in a round hole, and then say, ah, there's our proof text that this is why you can't write a song in the key of E. Aha! (laughs) And really... The whole motivating factor is not to please God. I mean, I'm sure that's in there somewhere. The motivating factor is we believe that pleasing God is um, appearing like this, you know, front that everything looks great on the outside and everybody looks the same and everybody's, you know, um, I, I guess conformed to this certain image of what a godly person is supposed to look like. And, and really, like, we saw this a lot, and I'd love to talk a little bit about this. When you would go to the conferences and the seminars and the training centers, it was very performative when you'd show up with your family because yep. you're performing in front of other families for who looks the godliest and who looks the most ATI. And uh, yep. before we hopped online today, Matt, you and I were talking about um, in 1999 – it was 1999 because the Braves were in the World Series while we were there, and we couldn't watch any of the games. <laughs> so, <laughs> two teenagers from Georgia are at this training center with no TV during the World Series with the Braves are playing. I remember being really mad about it's it. Ridiculous. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah. So you and I were both teenagers at a conference for counseling. Is that right? 
I think it was called the, it was called the counseling seminar, wasn't it? Oh my lord! Yeah, and it was at the Indianapolis, Indianapolis. Training Center. Yep. Here's what I remember, and I'd love to hear your experiences. We would wake up every morning at like 5 a.m. The way that they would wake us up is there would be this melodious music piped through the speakers in your room, which is like North Korea. Um, <laughs> you would get up while it's still dark. You would you would shower and put on your you know starched white shirt with your tie and your navy pants. And you'd have your little group, and you'd do like a Bible study with your group, and um, you know you'd confess if there's any sin that morning, you know all this stuff, and then you go to meals, and then literally from like eight a.m. to like ten p.m., you would go to these teachings, and like we're we're like thirteen, fourteen, fifteen years old, right? And right. for like fourteen yeah. hours, you're basically getting indoctrinated. And then yep. after the teaching sessions, you would go away with your small group and there would like almost force stuff out of you. Like, wow, what's, what's God doing in your heart? You know, what do you need to confess? What do you need to get right with God? And then they'd have testimony times <clears throat> and people would get up and share testimonies, not about like, wow, man, I, I uh, you know, I, I really have this, uh, thing where God's been working on me and I just I've just had a really awesome experience with God this week. It was very much like this was broken in me and then I figured out this Gothard teaching and then I started doing this Gothard teaching and everything got fixed. It's all good. Yeah. Yeah. And the most bizarre moment of that entire week, I don't know if you remember this or not, there was a room with phones. They look like pay phones. Yep. <laughs> and you remember this? And the phones were lined all the way around the room, and there was one night where someone got up and talked about clearing your conscience. That it's not enough to go before the Lord and confess a sin. You have to think about everyone that your sin may have impacted, and then you've got to go to them and you've got to clear your conscience. And so to apply that that night, they said, okay, some of you might have been listening to rock music in secret, some of you might <laughs> some of you might have been defrauding some young women that you're you're not ready to to court or you're not ready to be in a relationship with. Some of you might have not uh been the Christian you need to be. So tonight you need to go to the phones and you need to call your parents and you need to clear your conscience. And I remember after that session yep. go, going into that room and seeing all these young men on the phone calling their moms and dads like weeping and crying yeah. because they're clearing their conscience. And it was just totally so broken. bizarre. Yeah. yeah. Do you remember that? Uh, I don't I don't remember calling my parents. I, now you're going to make me go ask my mom, did I ever call you and just unload a bunch of stuff? Cause I, I, I never did, yeah. I did or not, but I do remember the... I do remember the room of phones and all. I don't think I ever called my parents. Like I said, I didn't fit the mold a lot, so yeah. <clears throat> I don't know. Uh, I remember I got in trouble for playing cards. We had a deck of cards in there. Uh, <laughs> I got in trouble for that. And uh, if you said hello to the wrong girl, you know, just wave or say hello or even helped her do something. It was a form of flirting. So I remember oh, I got in man. trouble so many times that week for random, random stupid things. But yeah. um, I do remember now that you say it, I totally forgot about the room of phones. Oh, my gosh, man. <laughs> and uh, until you just said that, and I thought, oh, man, I, I forgot all about that. But, yeah, I do. I remember that. 
And uh, yep. yeah, thinking back, even on the, I, I was, I told you I was going to try to pull up a picture. I could have showed everybody, <laughs> but uh, I have a, I, I still have that, um, you know, they give you a certificate because all of that week, one of the selling points is you get college credit for this. Yeah. I don't know that that college credit meant anything. I don't, I don't think it, it goes. It's not no. accredited for anything, but the appeal to, Hey, send your kids. Like, so you got 13, I don't know how young they went. I would have been about 15 at the time yeah. of that 15 or 16, um, in 99. But, um, I don't, I don't know like how young it went, but I know you're, I think you said you're two years younger than yeah, I am. So I would have been, if you were 15, I've been 13. What, yeah. 12 or 13. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, you've got kids there. And I've got this creepy picture with Bill Gothard and all of those young young men in their white shirts and ties, you know, and Bill Gothard down there with his navy blue suit in front of when you went uh, all of them. I think I'm, I'm in two that picture. People removed from Bill Gothard. Wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I need to go look it up and and find you and circle it and post yep. it. <laughs> yep. I'd love that. Yeah. Um, but that is a, um, I, you know, in the moment you don't think about it too much because. Um, I can't say I thought about it too much. I do want to acknowledge, I know people that I still walk with to this day that were absolutely abused and have, yep. have some incredible, crazy stories. Uh, you know, I told you about the girl that got failed, you know, after working mm-hmm. tirelessly all because of this key, random things like that. Sure. Um, I know some of my siblings have similar stories and they could share yep. their own stories. Uh, um, I have, my oldest sister worked at Oak Brook, you know, with mm. Mr. Gather went to Russia and worked at Russia. My other sister Donna worked at the Oklahoma Training Center for a long time, Indianapolis Training Center. Uh, my brother Mike went through Alert, and so most mm-hmm. of my the stories I know and the people I know were kind of a few years ahead of me. Sure. Um, so I think that had an impact on my life as well of a buffer. Um, right. I learned things from their experiences um, that, thank God, I didn't really have to deal with head on the way sure. they did. Does sure. that make sense? Like, yeah. What so What yes, would be I some of the negative it. things I was that in it, but I. What would be some of the negative things that maybe you heard them report that were maybe a little bit more? Because, I mean, you and I, we were both, we didn't fit the mold. We were kind of, we were doofuses. <laughs> we didn't really fit the mold, and we were kind of like, yeah, a little bit too young to really get super entrenched. But what are maybe some of the, I mean, if you're if you're comfortable sharing some of the, the darker things that maybe even would border on, like, spiritual abuse that maybe you, you heard about? <coughs> yeah, I don't... <clears throat> I want to be careful just sharing things in confidence of, you know, my siblings oh, sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. about sharing yeah. their stories. But, um, I don't think, um, I don't think my sister would mind. One of the things that I remember as a, um, you know, there's so many things you remember that I don't remember a lot of the details. I just remember like, you know, the, uh, the feeling in the home, like when they would come back or things that they mm-hmm. would share and ultimately nothing ever done about it. Like, it's just, it's, it's the shame thing is real. Like it's on you. If, right, so if right. you don't, if you're not successful in this, or if you've got a problem with somebody in authority, it's your fault. It's never, it's never right. the authority's fault. Yeah. Um, and so that's one of those things that is not carried out in a biblical way. I don't feel uh, at mm-hmm. all. Um, but I know that Mr. Gothard came to one of my sisters and told her she didn't smile enough and, uh, told her to smile. If anybody mm. knows my older sister and I love her, uh, but she's she doesn't have a smiley resting face, <laughs> and so it tormented her of thinking I've got to smile, you know, I've got to do mm. this. And, um, it's 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 really contrary to the design factor of how God made you to be. Sure. Um, that you are not looking the right way, and so it's on yep. you. Um, I never really had to deal with that, but I I can only imagine 
um, for those that dealt with that head on, that sort of abuse, what does that do for your life of, of trying to figure out design and really desiring to be under authority? There's a desire right, there right. and this is what you're taught. This is what's been folded into you. And so carrying that and realizing I still can't measure up. What, it, what in a contrary example to the gospel? None of us yeah, measure yeah. up. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, none, none of us. And, and that's not a crutch. I'm not using that as an excuse. Um, but praise God. Praise the Lord. Jesus does measure up. And Amen. he imputes his righteousness for us. Amen. Um, and so that's never communicated. That's never that's never taught in these right. type of programs. Um, um, it, there's, it's like a no-win situation. If something's wrong, it's on you. Yep. Um, my, my wife grew up Pentecostal. I'm mm. um, kind of more charismatic Pentecostal. Sure. Um, this is why I'm so balanced today. <laughs> yeah. <kidding>. <laughs> uh, the, 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 <laughs> there is uh, so much uh, in common, though, even though we grew up totally different in so many ways. One of the things that we've acknowledged is um, the way that we would have grown up would have been a very works based. It's all about what you show. And um, mm-hmm. if you're not, if you're, if God is not blessing you, it's because you're not working the right way. You're not looking the right way. You're not dressing the right way. Some, mm. some sort of sin is in your life. And this is why God is not blessing you. Uh, that's what was fed to me uh, for my whole younger years. Um, on, the, on the other side, on kind of a flip side of that, um, there's another push uh, that is more the Pentecostal side that is, it's your faith. That if mm, you're not blessed yep, and all, it's because yep, yep, you yep. don't have enough faith, you know? Sure, sure. And so she kind of grew up with that side of it. And so mm-hmm. um, there is a pendulum, and it swings like crazy either yeah, way. Um, absolutely. So on her yeah. side, there wasn't a lot of serving or missions or, or serving in that way. So where I grew up, and there was so much service because people mm-hmm. were working their butts off to be accepted. Um, yep, yep. The other side of that is just sitting back, and you don't have enough faith to get it done. Right. Um, there's no work involved, you know, and so sure, 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 um, sure. I don't know. I do. I do believe there's a balance there, but um, I yeah. think that most of the ones that were older than me absolutely face this idea that I can never measure up. And I think some of the baggage yeah. that is carried with um, some of the people I know today that were that were entrenched in training centers and all mm-hmm. is this um, kind of their pendulum has swung the other way in the sense of just kind of throwing out all the principles together and right. really throwing out scripture because it didn't work for them. I tried all mm-hmm. this and I still was never accepted. I tried this and I still got an F. I failed because whatever right. I do is not right. And right. so then you just kind of throw it all in and think, well, none of it matters. And, um, and so I, I think there's, a, there's something you've got to be careful with there. But I, I feel like most of the, the hardship and anger, the resentment, even towards the Lord today, is caused because they, even in the teaching of design and authority, um, there was never any hope for it to be manifested fully the way scripture teaches, uh, sure. which is only in Jesus. It's only in Absolutely. Jesus. Absolutely. Um, and yeah. so I, I think that's where a lot of hardship and hurt has come from over the years, yeah. of, especially the ones that were in it more than I was. Well, and I think there is, a again, part of the gospel that's not being taught. Like the gospel says that when you're united to Christ and his righteousness is imputed to you as a gift— that because you're in Christ, Romans 8, 1 says, therefore now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, right? So when God the Father looks upon us, the righteousness of Christ covers us because we're united to Christ. Um, and so our acceptance before God is on the basis of Christ and our union with him, right? right. And our identity found in him, that I've been crucified with Christ, therefore I no longer live, it's Christ who lives in me. 
that was something that people would go, yeah, 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 sure. But practically how that fleshed but, out, yeah. it, it was never, no, I'm accepted and loved because of who Jesus is, and I'm in Christ, and therefore I'm accepted and loved. It was your love and your acceptance from God had everything to do with your works, your performance, how you looked, all these things. And, you know, some of the darker sides of that, I think you can you can look at extremes. I think the documentary kind of outlines some of those extremes. I never experienced extremes like that. Praise God. I heard of people who did. You know, when I say extremes, I'm talking yeah. being locked in prayer rooms for two or three days and being, you know, yeah. fed your food in through the little slot on the door like you're in prison and you've just got a Bible and you're, you're um, sentenced to a prayer room because somebody noticed that you were rebellious. Um, you know, even darker. I never saw that firsthand, but I, do know, I know people that, that did. For yeah, sure. me too. Yeah, me I too. never saw that side of it. Yeah, I, I heard of people who did as well. Um, and then, of course, you know, some of the more serious allegations would have been, you know, Bill Gothard's um, misconduct towards young women. Um, I, I can't really speak to that personally because I never had enough proximity to him personally to acknowledge that. But I do think if you see the documentary and you hear the stories of these women, I, I mean, that's it's pretty dark. Some of the stuff that, um, he was doing. Yeah. Um, so kind of landing the plane. I mean, Matt, like how have you kind of processed and healed from this movement in, in your, fir- in your, in your faith journey as an adult? Like how have you maybe disentangled some of the things like, okay, that was Gothard and ATI. That wasn't scripture. What's that been like? And how's that worked for you as you've, uh, walked through your, your journey with Jesus? Well, I can honestly say I'm I'm still processing that there's hangups that I recognize in my life that I see today that I that I I can recognize directly come from some of that teaching. Yeah. Um one of them is quiet times with my kids and my family. Um mm. I've I've struggled with that as a dad and I am just sharing that being transparent like yeah, me it's, too, man. it's constantly been a struggle with me because of how it was done when I was a kid. And and this is not bashing my parents at all. I I truly believe uh, some of the saving grace in my life uh, through this is my parents truly sought uh, to honor God. And uh, Mm -hmm. they wanted what was best for their children, and they wanted their children to follow the Lord. I have 11 brothers and sisters. There's 12 of us, and and praise God, um, we're all pretty healthy, you know. Yeah, praise God. You know, we got our hang-ups. I'm unhealthy, you know, in so many areas, but all in all, God has been so gracious. And so, um, I, I look at that and, uh, I just, I praise the Lord. So there's no, for me, there's no bitterness or hardship in, in my life or resentment towards, uh, my parents, uh, towards Mr. Gothard, towards it, anybody else, because, um, I see where God has used it in my life in so mm-hmm. many ways mm-hmm. of learning how to just to spit out the cred though. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, one of the things I recognize uh, you had emailed these these questions, and I've kind of had a few days to kind of reflect on this a little bit. Um, I think um, we would have family time, devotion time, and memorize scripture. I mean, that was a big thing. And I and I say this tongue in cheek because I'm so grateful for the scripture that uh, my dad pressed in us to to memorize yeah. as a kid. Yeah, I didn't too. like it in the moment, but I, I'm I'm a better man for it today, and I just I recognize that, and I'm so grateful for that. Um, but I did not love scripture as a young person. Yeah. Um, I, I grew up, I was, I was very 
familiar with it. On Wednesday nights at the church we grew up in, they did a hermeneutics class. Uh, did, you, did you ever take that on Wednesday I think night? so. Yeah, um, I think so. That's crazy that, that they were actually, doing that for such young people. But yeah, I'm grateful for well, that. Well, that was when I quit going on Wednesday nights. <laughs> when I was about 16 years old. I, I quit going on Wednesday nights because of the hermeneutics class. Yeah. And, um, you know, for those that don't know hermeneutics, is how to interpreting scripture, you know. And no. so um, when I... I, I did not love scripture, but I was getting at a place in my life where it was either I was either embracing it or I was going to run from it. Mm-hmm. Um, how many people in our generation do, do I know that have completely abandoned scripture? Yeah. And I look back in my life and I see I was at a pivotal point at about 16 years old. I was either going to embrace it and love scripture or I was going to run from it. Um, mm-hmm. One of the best decisions I made was to quit going to a hermeneutics class on Wednesday nights because I think mm-hmm. if I continued to go, at that church, I would have, I would have, I would have ran from scripture yeah. and I wow. wouldn't have loved it. I didn't wow. fall in love with scripture right away. Um, I left, I left that church at 18 years old. As soon as I was able, um, I left. Um, mm-hmm. and so it's hard to believe. I only actually went to Calvary Baptist church for about six years of my life. I know that's probably crazy wow. for even you to think about because sure. it feels yeah. like we spent so much more time together. Oh yeah. Um, but I was only there for six years. Um, wow. and so why? Because really the, Almost the day I turned 18, I quit. I quit going to that church. Moved out of my parents' house and um, really just kind of got away. I went to an independent yep. Baptist Bible college, so I left one indie fundy setting uh, <laughs> to go to another one. Yeah. And, uh, <clears throat> um, but it was by my choice, in a sense, you know. And, sure. Uh, and sure. I was in living in such a, a different phase of my life to where I could push back a little bit and I could right. ask questions, uh, in a different way without feeling like I wasn't being under authority. I felt the liberty and freedom to do that. And I did. Uh, yeah. and some of my professors hated it, you know, but sure. um, yeah. I, I really went through a season of kind of pushing back and we did a, I, one of my Bible classes was Galatians. And mm. if you've ever done Bible classes where you're doing like a book of the Bible, um, I remember um, when I was 19 years old, uh, a year in the in the Bible college or my second year, I was doing classes in, in Galatians, and Galatians set me free. Yeah, um, me too. I, I can tell you the season, the semester, and everything where I fell in love with the Word of God. It was no mm. longer about Mama and Daddy. It was no longer about Gothard. It was no longer about anybody that ever you know was forcing something on me principle wise, and so this. God's redeeming grace in my life. I was a born again believer. Um, you know, there was no question for my life about that, but I did not love scripture until I was 20 years old, uh, almost 20 years old. So the, the thing that was the, that was the turning point in my life of yeah. experiencing, um, spiritual freedom, uh, freedom in Christ Jesus that wasn't held under the works of men. You know, wow. um, there yeah. was a Liberty in Christ Jesus. And that began, that was the beginning of me, of where I am today, of shaping my life. How, one, how I view people, how yeah. I view women, uh, you know, how I view women, how sure. I view rock music or Christian music that Michael W. Smith is not a sacred, <laughs> regardless of what they may say, um, yeah. that, that I can worship the Lord in so many different ways. And what a, what a terrible, what a travesty to, to, to not see people the way God sees people. Sure. Um, yeah. and, uh, you you are not able you are not able to see people the way God sees people when you are held to such a high opinion of yourself, Amen. Um, or a Amen. high opinion of what, how you interpret Scripture. Um, yep. Opinion of how Scripture is lived out will crutch, uh, it will cripple your your ministry. It will cripple mm-hmm. every relationship you have. 
Um, yep. And I've seen that over and over again with the circles that I, that God has allowed me to walk in. Yeah. If you are strongly opinionated about what rock music looks like or about what a modest girl looks like or about what colors a guy should wear or what kind of hairstyle or whether they have tattoos or whether they smoke or don't smoke or drink a beer, you name it. Right. You just go down the list. If you have a very strong opinion of that, I promise you relationships in your life are going to be hindered and harmed. Um, well, it's yeah. impossible to be proactive making disciples <laughs> mm-hmm. if uh, somebody walks in the room and they have tattoo uh, sleep, you know, or whatever else. Um, and then automatically you are so hung up on what you think about that, that you're not going to see them as Christ sees them. Wow. And so um, Galatians, that study in an independent Baptist Bible college is where God set me free spiritually wow. uh, to Praise walk God. in him and to love him. And so that's amazing, um, man. I, I'm just I'm so grateful for his grace, his mercy. Yeah. And uh, and I love people. I genuinely love people. And uh, I found that it's impossible to love people the way God does if you're held to some of these principles. Sure. The way they're lived out. Yeah, man. In that culture. Well, and, and it's so, it's that's amazing, man. Thank you for sharing all that. And I, I really resonated with that because I was thinking back as you were sharing that in 2012. Um, I got serious about dealing with some of the baggage that I was carrying from ATI and IBLP. And um, I started going to counseling and awesome godly counselor named Bill. And uh, I know he listens to the podcast. So Bill, thank you, man, for sitting with me through a lot of this stuff. And he introduced me to a support group called Recovering Grace. And I went on, started reading some of the stories of folks that were like me. They'd grown up in it and they came out of it. And um, I wrote a couple articles for them that was really, really healing. And I remember after going to counseling with Bill for about six months and writing some stuff for Recovering Grace and kind of processing some stuff that honestly I just repressed, I was driving to the beach with my wife. We were going on vacation with her family, and I was listening to the book of Galatians being taught. It was a sermon series. Um, and I don't, I don't remember anything else about that sermon, but I remember the pastor. It was Matt Chandler teaching through Galatians. I don't know if you're familiar with Matt Chandler in, in Texas. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't even it wasn't even him preaching. It was he got to this verse and it was Galatians five six and he said, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision accounts or accomplishes anything. What matters is faith working through love. And I remember specifically where I was. My wife was asleep while we were driving. I had my earbuds in and my old school iPod because that's what you did when you podcasted back, you know, 14 years ago. Mm-hmm. And I'm driving through the middle of nowhere in South Carolina to go to the beach. And, man, I just start, like, breaking down. And, like, tears start streaming down my face because I'm like, what? And it wasn't even, again, it wasn't even the pastor preaching this sermon. It was that verse, that circumcision or uncircumcision. That What matters yeah. is your faith in Christ working out in your life for your love through Christ. And so all these external expressions of that, that people force on you that you have to be circumcised or no, you don't have to be, you know, all this stuff is like, no, what matters is what are you putting your hope in? Is your faith in Christ or is your faith in your works? Is your faith in the fact that you're wearing navy and white or that you're, you know, slicking your hair back with enough hairspray to put a hole in the ozone layer, right? Um, what is your, what is your faith in? And, and then that, that set me free. And helped me to process that, man, so much of the guilt and the shame that I was carrying did not come from the Lord. It came from false teaching. And I I really have a heart, I think, for people who grew up in that movement that 
got so burned by Gothard and those teachings that now they are deconstructing and they're walking away and they want nothing to do with Scripture. They want nothing to do with the Word of God. They want nothing to do with the church. And I would just say, if you're listening and that's where you are, man, reach out to me. I'd love to get a cup of coffee with you and just sit down and talk, even if it's, you know, you live on the other side of the country. Let's let's Zoom and we'll do coffee over Zoom. and Because um, there's so much freedom in Christ. And, uh, yeah, just praying that folks find that. So, yeah. Well, Matt. And yeah, so, amen. <clears throat> Praise God for his for his mercy and grace in our life. I mean, yeah, dude. <clears throat> freedom, freedom is so sweet. And uh, if you've never experienced it, um, you know, ask the Lord for that. You know, if you're going to ask the Lord for something else, just ask for that spiritual freedom to to set me free uh, from false teaching. And it's everywhere. It's not just an yep. ATI thing. Amen. Um, yep. Yes, is that a big one? Yes, absolutely. But it's not just there. You can you can find false teaching. Uh, so many nooks and crannies everywhere. I, yep. uh, a while back, we watched the Hillsong documentary about yeah. Hillsong, and I thought, yeah, you man. know, Bill Gothard, Brian Houston, <coughs> it doesn't matter. And um, yep. you know, um, men men get in the way of yep. a mighty God, and Amen. so don't allow don't allow a man or a woman to get in the way of you and your relationship, and your freedom in Christ Jesus. And yeah, Amen. Yeah, dude. Well, Matt, dude, I am so grateful, man, that you were willing to hop on and talk through some yeah. of this stuff. I really appreciate it, dude. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on, man. It was great. It's good seeing you. Good to see you. Yeah, it's been, I don't know. I saw you at Catalyst like 13 years ago for like two seconds. You're walking past. I think that was the last, <laughs> I think that was the last time yeah. I've seen you, actually. I yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. That. yeah, that's yep. funny, man. Well, if you're ever in South Dakota, come on by and see us, man. I'd love to. I'd love to. And same for you if you're ever down in this area. Look me up. So, all right, man. Appreciate you. All right, man. Well, thanks for listening. That's our show. If you like what you've heard, make sure to give us a share, leave us a review, or send us an email at beardsandbiblepodcast at gmail.com.